my guest is here in the studio with her regular audio column, Let Me Malcolm. Cruise Mechanical. <laughs> Hello! Happy it's, Wednesday. It's always lovely to have you here because I'm always kind of like thinking, oh, I wonder what Cruise is going to speak about today. So the subject today is, is quite pointed. Sharp. Yes, That's quite pointed, quite sharp as well. <laughs> Try to think of all of the cliches here. And uh, we're talking needles here. Yes, we're talking about needles. Mm. And this is because um, recently both me and my daughter had to, my daughter had to have a blood test and so I had to get I had to be the control sample so I had to have a blood test at the same time and I was just kind of thinking about the experience and I think I'm not I'm not scared of needles I don't I'm not scared of injections and I think that was because I had a difficult pregnancy and I ended up having so many blood oh, tests and gosh. tests and everything when I was pregnant that it kind of it made me immune to it so I don't really have the luxury of having a I'm just kind of over it now mm. but I started thinking about it and I was like it is something that people are terrified of and yeah. it is and needles are just such a they're a horrible thing, aren't they? Yeah, they're but they, awful. But they, but they, so they're this awful. They're this sharp and small. And whether it's a sewing needle or a hypodermic syringe, it's a horrible idea that puncturing, and it's a very visceral thing. And mm. I think I was just wanted to have a. I wanted to think about it, Sadia. I wanted to look into <laughs> it, and I wanted to try and come out of this with a bit of positivity. And if you are listening and you do have a needle phobia. I apologise, but I am going to before the end you of the column. You may not have after yes, you've Yes, I'm going to talk about some, to some things that hopefully will help you through that. But okay. if you, it is very bad, I recommend you stop listening now because <laughs> we're going to be talking For your very in-depth. Yeah. All right, okay. In-depth. Um, oh, dear. All so right, so needles have actually... The, the needle precedes agriculture in human history. Mm -hmm. So we have had needles as in terms of... And of course, I'm talking sewing needles here since before we were farming, right? They're, they're incredibly, incredibly ancient. And the first sewing needles, as you could probably kind of expect, were sort of made from bone and um, bits of bone and stuff like that. And they were used to sew animal hides together. And the oldest ones we've found are estimated to be about 25,000 years old oh that people were sewing. And of course, like what's really uh, fascinating about the needle is that if we, by being able to sew, we could migrate which sounds bizarre, except for by being able to sew more animal hides together, mm -hmm. we could stay warmer, mm -hmm. so we could move to different, to different parts climates. of the, to different climates. My goodness, yes. So the needle actually enabled us to to travel and to to, to you know to branch out all over the world. This little these little chips of bone. Um, and so, of course, uh, the really interesting thing about them is we start we start with this idea of just being used to these sort of bits of bone and stuff like that. And um, but and they didn't have an eye a lot of the time. When we look at when we do find ancient needles, mm. we we can try and we can find the ones made of bone and stuff like that. The ones made of metal um, that came you know a few centuries later, centuries, centuries, thousands of years later. Very, they just disappear because you imagine it just the oxidization of thin pieces of metal mm, is a very rapid process. So they just disintegrate. So right. we don't have a lot of surviving ones. But now, when we look at back at ancient needles, they didn't have that. Um, they didn't have that that little hole at the end that you pop your thread through. Mm -hmm. um, they had like kind of just a little split, and oh, the thread would kind right. of be tucked okay. tucked into okay. this little little split, and which of course would be very frustrating because it probably wasn't very effective. And of course. Uh, Another innovation that parallels the innovation of the needle is the innovation of thread. Mm. When you think about it, I mean, there's something we just take for granted. I mean, look at us. We're both covered mm. in clothing, mm -hmm. which our listeners will be very happy to hear. <laughs> we're covered today, in clothing today. today. 
um, you know, and and that's and that's enabled us um, so many things. Um, but of course, uh, before they had thread, we had things like raffia, bits of gut, bits of sinew from dead animals. That was the kind of things that were being used as thread. Um, but of course, uh, what's interesting is that we 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 do have this um, this innovation in the the period of sewing um, of sewing needles that we go back in history. We can go back twenty five thousand years to the one that we know survives, but we think they're even older than that. And then we have um, and then we start seeing innovations where people are starting to make these out of things like metal, and they are making them out of um, out of copper and silver and bronze as well. Um, <coughs> excuse me, and so. The basic, um, but of course, the, the interesting thing is, is that um, we see needles from later than 17,500 BC already had two of the characteristic features of the hand sewing needle today. So that was the eye at one end at the tapering point at the other end. So they have always come to a point. They've never been blunt, a needle. Mm -hmm. you know I mean, mm -hmm. that's the innovation part, mm -hmm. right, is that you can puncture with it. Um, but what is interesting is that they were made from materials available to society at the time. So like bones, antlers, those kinds of things that are already naturally quite sharp and pokey, mm -hmm. if we think about it in those terms. And then as people People required um, different skills in working with metals. Um, this is needles started being made from them too. So we have the Bronze Age, approximately 7,000 BC, and needles are starting to be made from copper and later iron and later bronze. Mm -hmm. And this is, um, and of course, of people are just. I mean, humans are <clears throat> constantly improving on what's around us or we're supposed to be doing that i don't think we do that as much as in the yes, heyday of i think it might have been more in the past <laughs> age than today um but of course people are trying to put uh, perfect those needles um and because they were so uh, they were so thin and like i said um they they were just pretty much they've all disintegrated any real historic ones like mm, that because of the effects of oxidation them. But the basic form of the hand sewing needle pretty much say, um, stayed the same over the course of time. You know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Mm -hmm. We kind of the same ne needle idea, needle and thread idea we still use today. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, <clears throat> one huge innovation with this was actually in 1755. So we're jumping way forward here um, from like 25,000 years ago to 1755, <laughs> where there was a German man named Weisenthal who thought that he'd found a very interesting idea, which was actually the prerequisite for this um, machine sewing needle, mm -hmm. which was to point to put that thread point right at the bottom of the needle. So if you think if you're holding a needle and thread, the pokey bits one end, the threads on the other yes. end. But if you have a, a sewing machine, if people oh, yeah, use those sewing anymore, machine always the has sewing it at machine the bottom. always has it at the Absolutely. bottom. And that was part, that's a huge, that's a huge innovation. I wouldn't think that though. <laughs> it's massive because that's yeah. enabling the entire industrialization yeah. of, of the needle and thread as well. That That's what allowed the sewing machine to work as effectively as it could. And of course, if we then if we then go um they they moved that 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 point all the way down and that was in 1750 and this paved the way for the mechanization of sewing worldwide and since then uh the sewing machine needle is what it is today it's the one we all use and everything else so it's this incredible um it's an incredible bank of innovation mm. the needle and thread but of course the other amazing thing about needles is syringes mm. is hypodermic needles on the medical front yeah yeah mm -hmm. it's on the medical front and i mean i think <clears throat> it's quite a 
it's quite an interesting concept um, because various forms of intravenous interjection and infusion have been around as far back as sort of the late 1600s. So mm. people have been poking each other with sharp implements for mm. a very, very, very long time. But it wasn't until 1853 that two, two gentlemen, Charles Gabriel Prevaz and Alexander Wood, developed a needle that was fine enough to pierce the skin. So this would probably be like piercing the skin without causing probably quite gruesome effect, mm -hmm. which is probably what a lot of their other experimentations were doing. Mm -hmm. So they, they came up with this idea. And actually the first syringe, <clears throat> the syringe, sorry, was the first device used to inject morphine as a painkiller. And of course, this this and this incredible breakthrough in technology of being able to create the syringe—that's also the pump mechanism behind the needle, the mm. point itself—eliminated mm. mm. um, a lot of the technical difficulties that people were facing when they were experimenting with things like blood transfusion, which again turns my stomach thinking about how gruesome it was when they didn't have tidier tools, right? Mm, mm. Um, but of course, <clears throat> credit for the evolution of what we say is universally useful. The hypodermic syringe with its hollow pointed needle is given mainly to this Dr. Alexander Wood. And he came up with this invention after experimenting with a hollow needle for the administration of drugs and found that um, the method didn't necessarily have to be limited to opiates. <laughs> so he was Aww. like, we don't just have to do it with this, we could do it with other things. Yeah. It doesn't have to just be morphine. Okay. Um, That's where the trouble comes in now. <laughs> exactly. And actually, quite interestingly, I think one of their, um, their wives, one of the inventors of the... <clears throat> the syringe his wife actually was one of the first people to die from a um uh die from um direct intravenous drug over overdose oh, so there was me. you know there's always good good and bad when yep. it comes to advancing the human race um <clears throat> really interestingly um of course this is very it's very difficult to create um syringes that you can reuse it's probably not a good idea to reuse syringes we're pretty aware of that now but once upon a time, uh, the concept of creating a disposable syringe is actually quite, um, it's quite a modern invention in a weird way. Uh, the first uh, eight US patents for disposable syringes, uh, syringes sorry, were given to Arthur E. Smith in 1949 and 1950. It's quite which late, sounds quite really. late to yes, me. I, actually, I mean, it's say. a while ago now, yeah, but it, it's actually yeah. quite late. And um, in 1954, there was a company that created the first mass-produced disposable syringe and needle produced in glass. So this was a disposable syringe, but it was glass. And this was uh, developed for the mass administration of the polio vaccine for a million American children. So a lot of the syringe innovation has been paralleled to this. these huge, amazing medical advances yeah, in sure. vaccination, mm -hmm. the science of vaccination. Um, I love jumping to this guy, <clears throat> Colin Murdoch in 1956. He was a pharmacist from Timaru, New Zealand. And if you haven't been to Timaru, New Zealand, you could go your whole life without going to Timaru, New Zealand. <laughs> okay. I've never heard of it, to tell you the exactly. truth. Right? It's not a particularly dynamic <laughs> little place. Okay. Uh, but this guy, this, this pharmacist Colin Murdoch, he patented a plastic disposable syringe to replace the glass syringe in 1956, which is, again, mm. a very, very long time. Mm. Not, 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 as long ago, long not as long ago, ago as you think. Considering, right? yeah. Um, and this guy was like a serial inventor. He had a Patent, he, he patented a total of 46 inventions, including, and this is a bit of a segue, um, uh, a silent burglar alarm, automatic <laughs> syringes for vaccinating animals, the childproof bottle top, okay. you know, okay. and the tranquilizer gun. Oh. So he was just like this. It was probably bought out of his mind in Timaru, New Zealand, <laughs> and doing all these incredible things. Um, and then, of course, in, in, then we have in 1961... 
uh, we have uh, another guy called Beckton Dickinson who introduced the first plastic disposable syringe. That was the Plastipac. So then that came, that was again in 1960s. That was the, the, 1961 was the earliest we had a plastic syringe. Mm. Um, and, and this is amazing, in 1974, there was an African-American inventor called Phil Brooks who received another US patent for a disposable syringe. So he created another iteration and continued to refine that incredible that incredible invention um but of course what i think is uh, really interesting is we think about um using sort of like subcutaneous these sort of different kinds of needles and the pain involved and of course the thinner the needle is the the less it will hurt and you know, I mean now we've got acupuncture yeah i was just gonna say such a long time people you know willingly getting covered and, in and lots of very in. fine needles in acupuncture. yeah absolutely and i think it's interesting because we we tend to think of a lot of these sort of medical advances and they're coming from the sort of western world and a certain mm. type of community lots of doctors called charles and alexander and you can mm-hmm. kind of think of who they are but no and it's, actually when we look at um we look at some of the again further back in the history of needles because we always forget in when we look at the history of human race that it's not linear and that different groups were doing similar yeah, things yeah. at different times right That's and right. people forget that we always think that you know western society is the only ones that ever created <laughs> democracy but actually there were a lot of african countries that had democracy thousands of years before western yeah. society so it's a really it's a really um it's a really interesting thing to think about in that way now needle making again is one of those things so it was actually metal needle making was perfected originally by muslims in spain in the 11th century so whereas we can say okay you've got like bronze age advances and all this sort of stuff it was well before but actually these are the people that were doing that as well and then Mm -hmm. a spanish uh, muslim spanish muslims which is again a group that doesn't sound like a group you would know today Mm. because of the way that the world has changed Mm -hmm. and cultures and religions have moved around um they were some of the most knowledgeable medical doctors in the world at the time and had perfected a lot of surgical techniques that required needles for suturing so they were suturing patients at that long time, before. long before, yeah. you know, the the great, you know, the London Institute, blah, 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 was, <laughs> was doing it. Um, and that was, that was again, fueled by this idea, this perfection of, of the needle. But of course, when Muslims were driven out of Spain in the 15th century, they took this knowledge of needle making with them to different Arab lands. And they, um, they, they again, uh, kept making them. And then it was Arab traders who took this to Europe. So that's how the needle is getting all the way over mm. to the Western world originally. It's fascinating. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> You've so done it again. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's, it's quite an incredible, it's quite an incredible um incredible idea of course with the fact that our ability to clothe one another faster Mm. with the you know then you you know you skip ahead and you've got the sewing machine and you're able to create mass produce mechanized making clothing and Mm. and more than that bags sheets upholstery everything all the different things you can make because you can put a thread through a piece of fabric is is a remarkable idea and as we sorry, I was I was properly jumping backwards and forwards, but then yes, of course we get to syringes, which is um, an incredibly remarkable thing, and there's still advances happening in that today. So there's actually a syringe, the a, a micro needle. So this is a painless alternative to the needle and syringe because, and we'll talk a bit about phobias in a minute. Um, there's a chemical engineering professor from the Georgia Institute of Technology. Um, he's a guy called Mark Prosnitz, and he's teamed up with an electrical engineer, Mark Allen, and they've developed this prototype micro needle device. And this is incredible. It's made up of 400 silicon-based microscopic needles, each of them the width of a human hair. 
Okay, so these are tiny. To imagine this, it right. kind of looks like a nicotine patch. So <clears throat> someone who's trying to give up smoking, what that kind of little patch looks up. Mm. And it's covered in these 400 tiny hollow needles. Now, they are so small that the medication can be delivered through the skin without reaching the nerve cells that create pain. Because that's what we're worried about, right? When you have to go for an mm. injection or you get blood it's taken, the pain, it's it? the pain. And um, microelectrics within the device um, can control the time and the dosage of the medicine delivered, which is revolutionary when you mm. think of so many different kinds of people who could benefit from from that technology. So people are constantly um, reinventing, reinventing the new, how we this method of of puncturing our skin to mm. get in, which mm. is, I mean, I've had I've had my daughter herself is a pretty poor stick and can be quite hard to find a vein for her regular blood tests and you think to yourself it just i look at her and i'm like yes because we weren't designed to be poked mm. open mm -hmm. you know so the technology that has to poke into us it, even if it's for our own good has to be quite advanced um and but people do have a fear of injections they have a huge fear of injections and the fear of injections has actually got a special name fear of needles and fear of injections are two different things okay fear of injections is trypanophobia Trypanophobia. So that is an extreme fear of medical of procedures involving okay. injections or hypodermic needles. Um, and despite the fact that an estimated 10% of Americans struggle with this phobia, so 10% of American people would identify with this, it was not recognised as a specific phobia until 1994. So that's, again, quite late that we, we haven't really sort of thought about that. I can't believe that. Yeah, it's hard to believe that so many people really got in. About that. Okay, but um, it's interesting as well because I mean, in the U, uh, people, some people need to have contact with needles on a daily basis. For example, people who are diabetic. Mm -hmm. In the UK, yeah, well, seven percent of the uh, population in the UK the are diabetic, yeah, right. but ten percent have a needle phobia. So that's not very. Un that's quite unfortunate that you would have those sorts of things. Um, but of course. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so so of course people who have these sorts of things, they have lots of symptoms around that fear, high blood pressure, elevated heart rate in the days leading up to having an injection. At the time of the event, you might faint, your blood pressure might drop very, very low. You know, can, you might you have yeah. a real fear yeah. response. But interestingly, um, some evolutionary psychologists believe that that because it's quite a common phobia. I mean, no one goes, oh, I love getting a, I love getting an injection. I mean, I know people who love getting a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, like on the extreme end again. Yeah, that's another area. Um, that's itself. a whole different thing. But they say that evolutionary psychologists think that it's a survival technique. It's an ancient survival technique because puncture wounds, um, once upon a time were very common to be deadly, particularly in the days before modern antibiotics, and right? Infections so it, absolutely, and further yeah. disease, yeah. Exactly. So like, you know, the fear of puncturing the skin is an evolutionary adaptation because it's terrible that you know people get get tetanus like left right and center people wouldn't have that you know they, they so they think that's where the phobia might have have kind of originated from um and of course uh the fear of needles specifically is acmophobia um which is thought to affect around one in four people in the uk so again, it's a very common phobia. People mm. don't really like it. Um, of course, piercing the skin with something sharp is never going to be a pleasant experience. As I said, there are people who love getting tattoos, but they're, there's, there's a small, small and also, segment. I suppose the whole thing of piercing now too. Yeah, you know, absolutely, you know, body absolutely. piercing and stuff. Um, so yeah, so there's, but people do really have these 
intense intense fears and then of course we have things that um they think that it can also be genetic they think a phobia of needles and injections can be genetic they said 80 percent of people with a really deep rooted not just a dislike because no one's expecting you to like getting an injection or getting your blood taken or anything is because their parents did as well mm -hmm. so there's could be a genetic component to the phobia as well which scientists are still looking into it could be, I suppose, a general thing where people say that they're scared of it and other people think, yeah, I should be scared of it. I should be scared not. of it too, absolutely. <laughs> and, and of course, like as you mentioned, like childhood fears can, yes. can feed into it as well. Sure. You know, children we don't understand oh, as no, children my son, why we're doing this. Well, uh, when, I, when I took my son to have an injection once, when he was quite young, he was about six, seven years old, actually even later, he, it took 15 minutes before we could get the <gasps> oh, injection yeah. done because he kept saying, yeah, I'm ready. No, no, I'm not ready yet. I need some more time. <laughs> <laughs> but the nurse was very considerate, very yeah. Sweet. Well, this is the thing, you know, it's, it's, um, it, people recognize it's a thing that affects lots of people. And I think I tell myself now whenever I do it, it's the same as like going for a swim in cold water. Yeah. You're like, it's Once going to be cold. Like, yeah. it's going to be just painful. That. But that's just, it's not permanent. It's going to be a sh temporary bit of pain and then yeah. it will be okay, yeah. you know? So I think about that. And like you've got jumping. lollipop sick there. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and of course, what's interestingly is that, um, so they think there might be an evolutionary component to it. It does seem quite unnatural to poke into your beautiful, beautiful, incredible barrier, our biggest organ in our bodies, our skin, poke through it. It's designed to not be poked through. But actually, um, within the last 40 years or so, people have become more wary of injections because of this stigma around syringes and things like HIV and AIDS, which, of course, is not like there's there's a hundred like there's a a lot of prejudices and stereotypes around the way people contract those conditions and they're, mm. they're, a lot of them aren't founded today but of course 40 years ago when people were for example yeah, sharing syringes with drugs blah, 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 right. that created like within society kind of a, a, a fear of the needle as well because mm -hmm. needles were dirty and they contaminated people whereas actually needles on a daily mm -hmm. basis are saving mm -hmm. millions and millions of lives through vaccinations mm -hmm. and enabling blood transfusions and everything else right so that's that's quite an interesting thing. But I mean, they say that there's lots of ways you can treat these phobias. Um, cognitive behavioral therapy has been highly effective in treating these things. Uh, systematic desensitization. So a variation of exposure therapy. Oh, so gosh. I kind of feel like that, that was like my... You face your fear. Yeah, you face your fear. I feel like that was my pregnancy. I kept getting poked. I had amnios. I had everything. And I was like, okay, I think I've kind of... I've, I've, it doesn't matter. Give me doesn't another needle. It. I don't even notice them anymore. Um, so it's that, um, you know, that you can gradually kind of learn to tolerate needles. Um, and also some people have found some success with hypnotherapy. So that's apparently, um, that's apparently something that works quite well if you are really very, very, very scared. Um, but aside from just making sure to breathe deeply if you're getting an injection, um, you know, doctors keep talking to your patient, keep them distracted, keep them comfortable, all of those sorts of things. Um, you know, make it a very clinical process, all that sort of stuff. Um, that's a lot of the things that can be um, can make a huge difference and, and allay, allay some fears um, in that way. Well, I feel better already now. Do you? Yeah. 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 You do. Think you like just stick me. Yeah, just I could go, do it. go stick for me. it. <laughs> it's good I don't need an injection or anything no, at the moment, no. so it's fine. Good. It's good. Yeah, I'm hoping you've got your flu shot. Everyone should have their flu well, shot. Well, no, I haven't actually. <laughs> Well, there's okay. There's a reason. If you okay. if you were, if you're on the fence about getting your flu shot, listeners, uh, because of the phobia of needles, hopefully this I'll has alleviated some of that. It. Go get yes. your flu shot. Yes, yeah. I'll have to do that. Brilliant. That's great. Yeah, so that was needles. Thank you. Well, I can't believe it. Every time you come in, I'm just totally overwhelmed by things that you've said, and now I, I accept it. I don't except, mind needles except at all. You don't mind them. Okay, cool. Thank you very much no for problem. coming in. No problem at all. <laughs> now I should go and have my.